tell us a little bit about yourself. It's been seven episodes. I've said so many like horrible things on this show that like people probably get like what a horrible monster I am by now. I just realized is that hell is this hell for podcasters? The just like having to constantly reintroduce themselves every episode. Like do you think by the time that they've gotten to like episode three hundred and seventy eight million, they have no sense of what their identity is anymore and they just become a husk. My name is Joff Florberson, and I've lost all sense of space and time. We'd like to th- say thank you to our sponsor, the Eternal Black Void. Look, if we, if we're introducing ourselves by now, like you're starting at episode seven, like really, come on, take a look at yourself. <laughs> like th- this podcast has. A really, really important plot, and you've missed out on a lot. And just jumping in halfway through season one <laughs> is—it's disrespectful to us, and frankly, it's disrespectful to yourself. I and honestly, if you look at the merch, like you're gonna have no idea what that merch means if you're jumping in here at episode seven. You know, we have T-shirts that say Lead City on them. You're gonna have no idea like what that means. You're gonna see all these references to Josh, and you must never ask about Josh again. Don't even bring it up, please. Yes. Don't talk about Josh. Yeah. Uh, 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 unless you've watched every single episode start to finish, you're not a real ETQD fanboy. Or, or as we like to call them, ETQD fans. Ah. My <laughs> gosh. <laughs> They are our only fans. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of, so I was writing a blog post recently about interesting new ways to make money in the new economy. And I wanted to know if uh, any of you have picked up uh, any exclusive sort of fan base or influencer accounts to try and raise some extra capital in these trying times. Yeah, so I know people are upset and frustrated about a lot of things. So what I decided to do is I, I decided to be you know, the altruistic person that I am, I charge people, you know, about five bucks a pop for them to cough on my face. So if for whatever reason they've got like a lot of pent up energy and they wanted to like take it out on me, that's perfectly okay. As long as they're willing to shell out five bucks, I'm, my face is theirs for the, for the coughing. Um, cause I have no fears of the virus. I don't think it's, I don't think it's real. Um, I've looked at the statistics and all it says is, is that it's, um, political science, uh, I, you know, there's not much else to say about that than, you know, it's a hoax perpetuated by big virus. All right. By the way, uh, for those of you who are joining us mid season, and I would like to reiterate, shame on you. Uh, you, you're missing out on the epic lore of, of, of the previous episode when Hector said that he was addicted to his haters. And this is a sort of continuation of that continuity <laughs> and continuity is very important to us. Unless you bring up Josh, do not talk about Josh. <laughs> What are some other good stories from previous episodes which we could continue on here in some <laughs> form or fashion? <laughs> uh, yes, because we don't have content for now. Oh no, no, no! I have content. I have, I have. Oh, oh! Don't get, don't get me started on content. I see through the bricks to the sea, crumbling So the next thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that in order to get my email diploma from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, 
I need to shell out a remaining $3,000 to the Institute, it turns out. Oh, is, is this the screenshot that you posted? Yeah, I had an email that sent, was sent to me, and it was like, oh, we know you're having a hard time, data, first name, but we're here to let you know that we would like to help you. And it's like, oh my god, <laughs> you're so, so personal, so um, direct. I, for a moment there, I thought that this email was actually written by a human being. But then I realized, no, they they wouldn't do that. It was so funny because it was like the ultimate irony of like of like any sort of like situation. Like like I remember when I saw that picture for the first time, I was like, these two sentences are like some kind of like weird satirical poem or like koan or something. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it was like, hi, data first name. We're hoping that you're uh, that you're you know making it through in these trying times. Anyways, you owe us three thousand dollars. Like, all right, okay. all right. Here, here's the actual email. I'll read it. So. It really at the top of it there's a header and it's at the it's the MIT fin- student financial services office like logo which is really just the MIT logo but like with a blue font with like a blue tint to it so innovative you know because money is blue so classic oh i guess so anyway it says the the greeting is hi data first name but with like tons of brackets and quotation marks around it um, and then it says we know that there's a lot going on right now and we hope that you and your family are safe and well we are reaching out to remind you that your student account is overdue if this was an oversight <laughs> You can review your account and pay on MIT Pay at student.mit.edu, and information about other payment options is available on our website. However, if you are experiencing financial challenges, please let us know as soon as possible so that we can work with you to find a solution. You may be able to suggest an alternative payment option or help with a student loan. We encourage you to contact us by May 4th if you have not done so already, especially if you'd like to discuss loan options. Loan applications are due by May 8th. There have been so many transitions this semester that none of us could have anticipated, and we want you to know that we are here to help in any way that we can. Sure, I really believe that. Sincerely, Student Financial Services. Okay, so don't get me wrong. Like, I really appreciate my financial aid officer. I couldn't have come to MIT without him. That's like the disclaimer for the rest of the conversation, because I really need to make sure that's very clear. And one day I even came into his office and gave him some cookies. Because, I mean, honestly, the guy's given me, like, tens of thousands of dollars through his job. So, I mean, honestly, a box of cookies is kind of like chump change in comparison. Um, but I, I would like to say, like, I don't know, now's not the time to be shaking down students for, like, literally pocket change compared to what MIT has in endowment. Like, come on, give me, give, give us a break, you know? Misky, just because you can check out 230 books from the MIT libraries doesn't mean that you have to. I mean, look <laughs> at what just happened. Look at how much debt you've accrued with uh, late fees. It's not late fees. No one even uses the MIT libraries anymore. Oh, no, I use the fucking MIT libraries. <laughs> Fight me. The, the, libraries, I, I'm the libraries are useful. They are... Wait, I, I need to make sure I'm not clipping before I say that. <laughs> yeah, you've unleashed the beast. The libraries are useful. They are, uh, they are ubiquitous, and they are unionized, which is the most important part. So, so don't fuck with the libraries, or they'll fuck with you. Oh, were they successful in that? Were, were, actually, a quick question. Were they successful in that? Because I remember, like, uh, I don't know how many months ago when I heard news about this. They're trying to unionize. They did. They actually did successfully unionize. Nice. You know, to a certain extent, I, I appreciate the data first name. <laughs> like, 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 they're not pretending like they care. It's like we just want your money, like point of data on our spreadsheet. But but it's like it's like if that if that was really the attitude that they were like going for, like they wouldn't have written like, oh, we know these are trying times and this is a hard transition. <laughs> like they wouldn't have gone with all that bullshit. They would have just been like, hi, data first name, UOS X amount of dollars. Please pay us. Thanks. If you need help, 
okay, goodbye. Uh, I retract my statement about, earlier about libraries. My librarian <laughs> has saved, saved my ass. Yeah, we'd, li- we'd like to do some follow-up uh, from, from uh, earlier in this episode when Misky said <laughs> that libraries were useless. They're actually not. Yes. Something that we all know, but we all uh, punch down. You know, I think that complaining about libraries is very much a punching down sort of thing. Please support your local library, especially <laughs> now, if you can, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I got saved by a librarian once. I, I was getting mugged in Central, and a librarian just came in and, and swooped in and... and of course, they were whacking him with a with a with a copy of Moby Dick. Um, so uh, I don't know. There's some level of irony in there, probably. Yeah. Well, I, I think I see what you mean here. There's a connection between the the ship captain and his and his lust for for you know the whale and and his own internal hubris, which describes why <laughs> someone might turn to crime. I mean, probably not. Uh, it was it was just some guy mugging me. I don't think there was anything more. I think that. there's some deeper deeper meaning in and you being mugged. So I think that you as a concept <laughs> actor are just someone who can get mugged. You can it's something that's possible for you to experience. Welcome to Misky's AP Lit Corner. Uh today we're <laughs> gonna talk about Moby Dick <laughs> and muggings. <laughs> I, th- that'd be so so wild to be uh to be taught Moby Dick I- I- in high school. Yeah, I mean why would you why would you like Make high school students read a book that has a swear in the title. That's messed up. Uh, Moby. No, I, I, I. What I mean by that was just uh, how how large and vast the book is. It's especially it's just a a large repository of just knowledge and of, of whale fishing. I still haven't read the book yet, um, but I've read a few passages here and there um, that are really great. Uh, so I, I can't wait for for me to read it when when I get when I do get the chance. I remember uh, when my eighth grade English teacher made us read um, the Grapes of Wrath, and like you know I'm from Texas and uh, people in Texas don't read, um, so, so it's it's really hard to like get us to, to, <laughs> wait <laughs> to, 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 to get people me. to read. <laughs> Have you seen like the English scores in Texas? Like on average, Texans do not read, um, myself included. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so, um, like, but the thing was, it's, it's, it's like hard to get eighth graders to like read anything, but let alone like the grapes of wrath. Like I have like a very distinct memory, like in that class, just like reading like the chapter where there's like the turtle crossing the road. And I'm just like, oh, this is so fucking boring, you know, cause I was 13 <laughs> and so I didn't understand anything. Um, and like, we didn't even get to the part where like the guy has to get breastfed at the end spoilers for this uh, 80 year old book. But like, even if we had gotten to that point, like what, I I have no idea like what was going through that teacher's mind, except like, I knew that she like kind of hated us as a class. So I think she was like trying to punish us by making us read an incredibly like, like a book that was like way over our heads. Okay. Well, it turns out that people back then when it was released also thought that it was a pretty boring book. So I don't know if, uh. 13-year-olds are alone in that regard. My only experience with Grapes of Wrath or knowing what it is was from, I don't know if you know the band Rise Against. It came out with an album like 2012, 11, 10, 9, 8, <laughs> called, called, called Endgame, I think. And either the album itself or a, a song was influenced by uh, some, or, or, or no, actually, I think the liner notes contain like a passage from the book and i was like ah the grapes of wrath i i this is the book 
Uh, that's the extent of my knowledge of that Steinbeck novel. Well, you also know that it's written by John Steinbeck. Oh, his first name's John? <laughs> that's wild! No, I'm just kidding. I think my favorite book by Steinbeck is probably Tortilla Flat. Uh, <laughs> oh, my it epitomizes God. my uh, things I look forward to in life, such as... Uh, quesadillas? <laughs> no. Being a, a drunk laying in the woods of California. Well, it was like, didn't you say, did you say Tortilla Flats? The book's called Tortilla Flat. You never heard of it? No, I've never heard of it, but that's why I was saying like, you know, because you know, you, like you only eat quesadillas. I eat a lot of quesadillas. This is a well-established meme. If you've been listening to episode negative five and negative six, you know that we touched upon it like for basically 30 minutes, both of those episodes. I thought you brought, I thought you came, I thought you came up with the book named Tortilla Flats as like a. A little bit and a little joke about cultural appropriation that you're going to do. It's no, it's called Tortilla Flat. It's a book. It's a real book that you just whipped out just because you had this knowledge of it already to begin with. Because you were raring to to do a joke on cultural appropriation without having to come up with one yourself. What? What? No, I I read the book because I enjoyed Steinbeck. I was basically forced to read uh, Of Mice and Men. I mean, look. Just because I've read passages of Mein Kampf doesn't mean that I'm telling people to, you know, to read it or whatever. Also, uh, like if you do have, if you have read, if you had read passages of it, uh, of it, you'd know that Hitler was 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 a big bitch. <laughs> what? Not because he's just Hitler, but just because he keeps he kept like <laughs> praising Britain's uh, use of propaganda in their country and was trying to have Germany sort of emulated, but like in a better way but this is because he was just a big bitch and couldn't do it like you know you know well he did create this like uh like, like he was at the helm of a, of a white nationalist party that almost like eradicated the jews i think like like whatever propaganda efforts that he had tried at the time probably worked. well no i was I i'm talking know. about my, the book itself my conf i'm not talking about afterwards uh i know what happened afterwards i mean taking a class on it right oh, now this is written before before his rise to yeah power, yeah right? my accomplice was, was written while he was still in jail um but uh if you want to know something interesting that i found out recently from from that class is uh i'll ask you this question uh who do you think popularized or yeah popularized television broadcasting as a as a, as a concept or who, who was the first person to do it you can't just compare everything that you don't like to Hitler, all right? Hector? Well, okay, I'm not. Wait, I'm not saying I don't like television <laughs> broadcasting. Uh, if you if you guess the Third Reich, you'd be correct. Um, I think it was it was probably between 33 or 35 when uh, the Germans started uh, doing broadcasting television. There wasn't that many TV sets. It's not an overstatement to say that there was uh, radio in every household in Germany. There was um, practically. So they tried to do this with TV as well. Uh, they hoped that they could do this with TV as well, but because of a lot of conflicting opinions in terms of like how to use the medium uh, from within the propaganda ministry as well as some other facets of government and just the industry itself, it never didn't really take off. So there was like maybe like between a hundred and a thousand sets in the entire country for quite a time, like maybe like the, ten, the for like a decade, I guess. A lot, a lot of people think that television started in the fifties, but that's only just because they. Don't know about this decade that was done previously in Germany. I, I know a bit more stuff, but um, oh, did you know that Amer- that a lot of companies that were multinational, or even some of the base in America, st- had continued to do business and make a lot of profit during the war with Germany um, as a sort of like a business partner? Yeah, that that makes sense. It's just like you got to play both sides against each other. Well, it, it was well, it was more like 
So, 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 so there are companies like uh, most notably IT and T um, w- was one of the more notable companies in terms of like they got they got a lot of uh, profits from doing business with Germany. This was before and also during the war. Even though there the countries that were involved in the war had their industries move towards uh, war production or just things for their own countries, and a lot of companies did that in, with they under the guise of of nationalistic urges, but they still. You know, under the table had these contracts and relationships with other countries, especially like Germany. Like my my professor went to Washington D.C. I think, and there were some papers that were classified by IT&T that were uh, correspondence between them and Germany during the war, and uh, they were classified. Then they got declassified. He's got he's skimming through them because he was going to write about it, and then they, they got classified again because the company didn't want the public to know it. So there's a lot of fucking hilarious and weird stuff um that i've learned from that class um i mean i could go on and on about it but i think it'd be more of uh productive if either you have a question about the period or we can just move on i really don't know that much so i I don't really know what to ask i I, it's fun to listen to someone talk on any subject that they know a lot about. Well, so I guess, uh, so one thing I presented on was Nazi propaganda films. And I ended up doing a presentation on Lenny Riefenstahl, who, if that name doesn't ring a bell to you, then her movie um, that she's known for probably will. If- <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> 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 you know, it'd be interesting if the Nazis had done a Wizard of Oz parody, but it's propaganda. Um, actually, it wouldn't be funny. It would also probably be very terrible. Um, not Well, terrible in the sense because the Nazis did it, but also because it probably would just be an objectively terrible movie. Um, there's also there's also a discussion about what you would consider to be like a fascist film or is just a film made during a fascist regime, So, which is two different things. It's a... Uh, it's a, a broader discussion, but anyway, with Lenny Riefenstahl and Triumph of the Will, um, I also watched another of her movie called Olympia, which was a documentary on the 1936 Olympic Games in Berlin. And this is the famous, uh, you know, Olympic Games where uh, American uh, runner Jesse Owens, who was a black man from America, who uh, beat the Nazis in several different races that's uh what he's what he's known for and she was she he actually appears in the film which you know has all this nazi imagery and stuff with swastikas but this was before um people had like some inklings of like what the stuff that germany was getting up to at that point but you know this was before the war um and uh even though goebbels the uh head of the propaganda ministry didn't want lenny riefenstahl to be filming black people because you know racism and stuff uh she still did it anyway um but however that isn't to say that uh she's uh a a goody two-shoes or anything i mean she like she for entire life after even after the war she claimed that she wasn't a nazi and wasn't a fascist whatever but you know it was just a coincidence that she was infatuated with hitler um and as 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 a as a person and as a as a nazi figure and made propaganda films for him uh but but yeah i mean as far as uh propaganda films go um Triumph of the Will is like a lot of people say it's like oh it's like a it's a horrible like you know film and it's propaganda and stuff but it's just like so well done and, and you know and it reminds me of uh that drill tweet which is like um you know is like I made a mistake you know you don't when it, when it comes to ISIS you don't have to hand it to them uh or something like to that effect it's the same thing that I it's like the same vibe that I get when people like praise the film like it, there's a lot of things that she did 
that are techniques that are still used today. I, I personally do think that Olympia is um, like, aside from just showing like Nazi imagery and stuff, like the movie's no more Nazi or, or fascist than just what the Olympics are, or I guess represent in a sense with like uh. countries competing against each other. Um, the fetish, fetishization of like the human physique and stuff like sort of things that the Nazis like already like did stuff. So as, yeah, aside from like just the Nazi imagery, like Olympia is just like a, a far, like objectively far better thing than she had ever done. Even with Triumph of the Well, which is like, she's mostly known for that um, because it's a, uh, this film is, I think banned in Britain as far as what my professors told me. So you can't see it in Britain. Um, I don't know what happens if you do. Like even today? Yeah, yeah, even today. Huh. Honestly, the film is whatever. Uh, there, there's some interesting things. Um, but as far as a propaganda film, if you weren't already supporting Hitler, I don't think you'd be going away from this movie doing that too. Um, but it's very, it's 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 a little, it's a little subtle though in terms of like the very very underlying um, like racist anti-Semitic. Uh, you know, I'm better than you ideals of Nazism. And not until the very end of the film where it's just like blatant. And that, that part does get to me in terms of like, all right, this is not good, but, uh, or like, like you know, <laughs> things are fucked, especially since I had like watched an hour and a half of this movie before, which is just everybody just seek hiling and stuff. It, it wasn't unfazed. I mean, I was just still like, you know, kind of like in a weird trance state where it was just like, wow, these, these children are just, you know, doing this just because they want to that's like it's interesting yep it's a it's a it's a it's a great class um i i love it even though i have not exactly kept up with the readings as much as i should have i'm well you know it's trying times or whatever i, I mean i think that's that, that's really well i tell myself that that's really it um i'm trying to finish this other class so that i can read the readings because there is a lot of great info um, the, um, that's in the class. So to clarify, this is a film class on the Weimar Republic. It's, it's not exactly a film class, but we do watch a lot of, uh, clips of films, or if we want to, we can watch the film outside in our own time. Um, so it's really a class on the Weimar Republic. And we've at this point, like I would say, I would say in the past, like week and a half, two weeks before we've already transitioned to 19 post 1933 post uh, Hitler becoming chancellor and acquiring power, the Nazis acquiring power um, already in the third Reich and stuff. Last time we talked about radio after I talked about Lenny Riefenstahl and yesterday we talked about TV, which I think is my professor's like niche topic. Uh, like he's done the most like research on this. Um, but yeah, we, we, we watched a lot of uh, movies or at least, um, we, we we're able to and i and i did yeah so so you know earlier we had ap lit corner with misky and now we have hector's oh nazi movie corner okay i mean i i will say i am a film i'm technically i am a film miner Ooh, watch out we got a film miner over here <laughs> <laughs> um and to complete my film miner i'm doing i'm taking this class and uh, romantic poetry along with the frankenstein class that i took last couple months ago Wanted to bring up some labor statistics. Ooh. Yeah, okay, calm down, calm down. Now, I'm sure that this is something that you were all very ex- excited for. For those out there who don't know, all four of us are living in our own spaces right now. But next fall, Noah 
Hadrian and I will be living together. As it has been prophesized. Yep. Um, it's, it's a, it's a triangle sort of relationship. Uh, you know. <laughs> a polycule as it were. <laughs> some people always say that. Um, and we've been looking for, so for some jobs in, uh, the Boston area or some work or research, or, you know, we have programs that we're attending at, at some school in the area. But as you may have, may have heard, the economy is not doing well. As it turns out, the economy actually might be doing poorly. You don't say. What makes you say that? I say that because uh, an NPR survey which came out this morning said that 50% of the Americans who took their survey, which was trying to be a good sampling, good wide sampling, had said they either lost a job or lost hours due to COVID-19 spreading through the country. Now, I don't know about you, but if 50% of people lose their jobs, that's not going to be good. So, in lieu of that, I, I started looking at the Bureau of Labor Statistics coming out of the New England Information Office, and I wanted to try and quiz some of you on... Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, these bit, I'm sorry, but these bits always take like half an hour, and I want to talk about other stuff. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing that Miski prepared beforehand for this bit to only last 30 seconds. <laughs> that's, that's correct. And I, I wanted to ask you, this is just one question. I just want to get, I just want to feel, I, I want to figure out what you guys think of this. Um, so the U.S., what is the, uh, so I, I want two numbers from each of you. The first number I want is what do you think the average hourly wage for occupations are in the United States? Not hourly wage work or like service labor. But, like, occupations such as, like, analysts and lawyers and nurses and accountants. Wait, I'm really confused. What are you, what, are you asking for salary? So, it's, it's really tricky, right? Like, occupations don't include things like fry cook or waitress. And it's hard to, like, really split, like, which people get put into which boxes. Um, occupations are more like jobs you hold for, like, a long time. So, like, the jobs that people have for, like, years and years. That seems like a really like strange definition. Is that like that's given by the like people who do these statistics? Yeah. Okay. And so it's not going to be. I'll I'll just let you know it's not going to be close to minimum wage. It's going to be a, a you know a, a well livable wage. But 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 my question is what what like what number do you want us to give? Do you want us do you want us to give you like hourly wage or do you want us to give you salary? Because like hourly wage. But like a lot of those occupations like are salaried positions, aren't they? They're salary, but they still pay by hour, right? You can convert it to an hourly rate based upon the number of hours worked, I would presume. Yeah. All right, so this is a tangent now. Haha, <laughs> funny, exit tangent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we finally did it after seven episodes. And that's the show. I don't want to be. Not kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if any of you have ever been employed, but if you ever have been employed, wow, gee, uh, thanks, thanks for the joke, Mister Moneybags over here, who has a job. Uh, yeah, would it put us down? But what, what would you do when you experience this magical moment in your life? Um, what happens is, you know, I, I've been told. I'm not saying that I've had this happen to me, but when you're employed for a full time opportunity. They tell you, okay, we would like to take you on at a salary of like, I don't know, let's say $65,000 a year. Because that's reasonable. Anything more than that is just ridiculous. No, one, I don't think anyone makes more, <laughs> more than that, though. So that's, uh, yeah, we need an income cap, and it has to be $65,000. <laughs> the income cap needs to be at whatever I'm making right now. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. 
It's called the Hector Rule. So they're going to pay you such that you'll make that much money in a year if you work all the hours that they're expecting you to work. And you have paid time off. And you have unpaid time off. But just because your salary doesn't always mean that you'll make that money like guaranteed over the year, right? Even people who are like quote-unquote salaried. And this may be not the correct definition of salaried, sure. But, I mean, I've talked to people before who, you know, their employer says like, oh, they're basically salaried. But like you know, if they don't show up to work one day, they still get they still don't get paid that day. It, it's it's messy, and Americans don't like to talk about money, um, at least not like super openly. Yeah, and and when they do, it's always like a dick measuring contest. Yeah. Um, so regardless, I I think the numbers are kind of cool to look at on the BLS website. I think that recently in the last few years, <clears throat> Trump, um, they've been kind of like overly positive in like a unnecessary way. Um, it's like, oh, the unemployment numbers have never been lower. And now they've never been higher. Good job, guys. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's like here, I don't know, I, I like to think of these three-letter government agencies as sort of like impartial to using preferable language. But uh, this is a tangent. Uh, the original question is, how much does a person in the United States and how much does a person in the Boston area make per hour for occupations? All right, Hector. Uh, I really wasn't hoping to do this. Um... Twenty. All right. And how much does a person in the Boston area make? Well, they're an American, so twenty. Well, no. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you know how averages work. All right, Noah. Uh, I'm gonna say twenty-eight for the United States and thirty-two. All right, and Hadrian. I'm going to say 16 and 22. So the average hourly wage for an occupational employed person in the United States is around $25.70 uh, per hour. And for the, the Boston area, it's $33.30. There, there you go. No one knows about gerbs. I didn't know that those numbers off the top of my head, but I did take a class in labor economics a year ago, so I had a... <laughs> rough-ish sense yeah <laughs> oh, oh so you cheated is what you're saying <laughs> a, i was about to say that too <laughs> look at noah with his uh knowledge he acquired in, in college you know what they say noah goes to college to get more knowledge huh? where, where, where where's your degree that's gonna prove that huh oh wait it's digital uh, <laughs> it's just bits and bites it's not real <laughs> that was actually yeah, that was the thing that i was trying to to say about like 20 minutes ago, but kept getting interrupted by, by Miski talking, um, which is fine because he, it wasn't really interrupted. Um, he was, he was actually, he had the right to talk and stuff. Um, I was, I was the one about to interrupt, but basically I was just going to say that, uh, it sounded a lot like Miski was getting like a fake diploma from a fake university that he like put money into like, uh, one of those like scam, like for-profit places. Like the way he was describing getting a degree from MIT was very much the same. <laughs> at least, at least uh, how he described getting a diploma, like right now during like the crisis, with everything being online. Yeah, well, it's kind of like that, yeah, like a, like University of Phoenix type of. Yeah, you know, th- th- this podcast is, is is digital, so this isn't even real. <laughs> That's correct. How can podcasts be real if our microphones aren't real? Oh, <laughs> um, something I wanted to bring up, I didn't know about, was the curfew that you told me about, Hadrian. Can you talk about that? Yes, there is a curfew. It's a shot on sight. <laughs> <laughs> With the vaccine. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah. So um, I-, I was reading about coronavirus in Massachusetts earlier today because that's the kind of mood that I was in. Um, you know, you know, you know, there are different kinds of emotions like boredom or happiness or anger. And like right now during the crisis, there's in, in the mood to read about COVID. I think we're all in that mood 100 percent of the time. That's definitely not true. That's not true. I'm not always reading about COVID because oh. I would just die of anxiety at that point if I did that all the time. Well, maybe I am. But anyways, yeah, I, I read that. Um, I completely didn't know about this at all because I don't live in Boston. Um, that there is a uh, mandatory curfew uh, effective like April 9th in Boston from the hours of 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. every day for like non-essential personnel, I guess. That's what we call in the business safe harbor hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, so it's like during those hours you can say fuck but only in your house. <laughs> the FCC won't get after your ass. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, that's, that's actually a good question. I mean, I have no resemblance of day and night anymore. So how do I even know when it's safe harbor hours? When when, it's no, when there's no light outside? Oh. Ah. Okay. When I, I mean, I'll say, that, I'll say this. Because of my sleep schedule, I've been asleep from like the hours of uh, usually like, like 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. And then I sleep intermittently during the day. How much sleep do you get? Uh, depends. If I have a class, I have to stay up for like that hour and a half. But then I go back to sleep for like maybe five hours and if it's if i put an alarm and i don't wake up from that and then it turns into like eight and then it's already like 11 p.m i'm like all right time to start my day and then i work on my one p set that i have for this class that sounds like the schedule for a hunter s thompson minus the drugs and alcohol wait but that get that okay all right if you've seen that schedule if you've seen that uh, that it's been around on the internet and has been seen in like some documentaries or whatever he gets i think six hours of sleep i would say but those six hours are between, I would say, six a.m. to t- to noon. Yeah, that's about right. You know, the useless hours. Well, yeah, the useless hours. And then, and then, as soon as he wakes up, boom! Already starts off with uh, Regals and Chivas. Ah, <laughs> uh, a real American hero. Oh, <laughs> uh, you want to talk about American hero? We can talk about uh, Elon Musk. Uh, uh, <laughs> African American uh, hero. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god, that made me laugh so much. <laughs> can, I, like, I guess he can call himself an African-American. Hey, he is an African-American. Uh, I mean, yeah, he is, but that's... Oh, he, is, he is as he. much an African-American as, <laughs> as I am a Hungarian-American. Just because I have, like... Uh, never mind. Okay, Miski, you, you don't have to pull the race card here, right? Just because, uh, like, me and Hadrian <laughs> are, are Latino, we don't, we don't constantly be like, Oh, senor, you know, uh, I am... <laughs> Just stop. As he can, or something like that. Like you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be doing all these like weird, you know, stereotypes of like that the drunk Mexican or whatever, dude. Come on. Not only that, but like Miski, you weren't born in Hungary, as far as I know. Yeah, I, um, I was actually born in. Uh, never mind. I, I, I'd rather get to Elon Musk. <laughs> well, 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 I was gonna say about Elon Musk. Uh, uh, this wasn't exactly a random, uh, you know, statement for me to say. You know, of course, I could have said this at any point in the past episodes, which. Um, I, I should have, I mean, it's, it's very easy to, to hate the guy just because he's very hateable. Um, just like all the haters out there that hate me. Um, so I can relate to him in that way, but he, he today, he, <laughs> he just put out a tweet. Um, of course, this isn't like any of your normal tweets where he, uh, does a whole, like lame meme that he does just to show that he's in touch with the the kids nowadays, the Zoomers, but 
the, the, the it's just you know by like calling people pedophiles and stuff. <laughs> uh, I was gonna get to that at some point, and but you got you got it. Um, but he tweeted out today, uh, "Free America now!" Like if he's like some sort of like Karen that's like protesting right now in Texas and in Michigan. Man, I remember when I thought Elon Musk was smart. Those were the days, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, same here. I thought uh, I'd be okay. So back when he didn't talk so fucking much. Uh, like like back home, um, there's a there's like a SpaceX uh, place in uh, Brownsville, which is maybe like probably three hours to the east from where I live, like on the border of of U.S. and Mexico. Um, and uh, I'm I know like seeing on Twitter, there's like people that I know from back home who are like always tweeting about fucking SpaceX and pictures of the of the place, and it's just like they always get a hard on for every single picture that like that Musk tweets out about the place or or anything in general. Didn't Elon Musk's company uh, donate some CPAP machines or something? Yeah, yeah, they did it. They donated <laughs> CPAP machines, and people were they were like, "No, it was ventilators." But no, it was fucking CPAP machines, and the the people who got it had to modify them to work in, as ventilators, but it still wasn't uh, like efficient because the CPAP machines did the complete opposite of what you want someone who has the virus to do, which is spraying fluids into the air. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it, it, it's so great to like have someone really thinking about things other than the COVID pandemic right now. All, all the people with sleep apnea are like, they were really hurting. And, 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 you know, it was thanks to Elon Musk's, uh, genius and you know what i'll say it, bravery that that those people are able to sleep well without snoring so loudly because of elon musk african-american hero <laughs> uh but if you if you guys uh do remember he uh that there was a court case that uh agent didn't specifically bring it up but he brought up the whole pedo thing and the, yeah that court case finally i don't know how long ago it was relatively recent finally got uh, it wrapped up, and it was in Musk's favor. Uh, um, and so, if he wants, he can call people pedophiles on Twitter online without repercussions. I wonder if that's true of like all Twitter trolls. If they can just call anybody a pedophile. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure in that area. Uh, but f- with uh, as far as Elon Musk is concerned, that's it's it's perfectly fine. You just have to be rich as fuck. Basically, or you or like, 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 actually, actually, it, it's one of those things where like you have to be associated with Jeffrey Epstein, like at least <laughs> like, like at most two degrees separated from Jeffrey Epstein. And then you're allowed to say the P word. You know, I, I, I wouldn't put it past him to start a the P word. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him to uh, to start putting out the uh, like the, the the weird information that like Tesla somehow like are able to prevent the virus from entering your body because you're inside a car uh just to try to get tesla stocks to 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 rise i think all this just goes to show that like people who are smart at particular things like are not in any way necessarily smart at at anything else yeah like like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna throw the guy's engineering knowledge out the window i will (laughs) i I, people like i'm not an engineer so i don't feel qualified to do that but Homie is an idiot when it comes to public policy. No, I, I think he's an idiot in general. I just think uh, <laughs> no, no. I, I'm I'm 100 percent dead serious. I just think he's able to like accrue like 
a, a team of people who actually know yeah. what they're doing and not pay them very well at all and not pay oh yeah that's the other thing i forgot to bring up yeah like whenever people uh, like his workers like try to unionize he just fucking shoots that shit down immediately um and also just like not paying the people who work on his like factory floors like well um that was one of the first things that i learned like when i came to mit like when i was like visiting campus like as a as a prefrosh like i was like sitting in random or whatever and i like mentioned spacex or something i was like oh that's so cool like people here like work for spacex and then somebody just told me yeah and they like pay their employees like shit like even like the engineers like don't make any fucking money like they like work their asses off and like they're basically just like completely like taking advantage of the fact that like a lot of people who like want to work for spacex like have this like elon musk like infatuation and like this is their dream to like work on rockets and like they're just totally like screwing them because they can basically and so that was interesting on the other side of the coin is like you know if someone wants to do what their dream is okay like what else do they do if their dream is working on rockets no i'm I'm not saying that it's like uh, that, that like following your dream is a bad thing but like there are like a lot of other like companies of like similar caliber yeah. that like pay their engineers like a reasonable amount or like an unreasonably high amount rather or whatever it is like what like like whatever money an engineer would make at another company they're they're making substantially less at SpaceX and it's like is that like really like what needs to be done here like i guess like th- there there can be a whole conversation about like how much people should be paid in like any like whatever context but like that would just be like s- this episode would be 6 hours long and we would get nowhere. You remember the Hyperloop? Yeah. Well, uh, it turns out that the Hyperloop uh, ended up just being uh, a car on rails in a tunnel. Yeah. And uh, it was essentially uh, went from Musk hyping this up to, you know, as like, oh, this could be a possibility. And of course, the, you could do that with literally anything. Could I could hype up the fact that like a toaster can um become you know my robotic lover in the future um but i'm not you know hyping that up uh but with the hyperloop it was just not only was it a failure but um like musk and his like people tried to pivot it to to be this like great ingenious like product of of, like a way to solve traffic congestion it's it's a tunnel that they excavated with his boring company which is aptly named got him i i I just feel this is a man who tries to be like edison and even at that edison was still an asshole who stole people's ideas uh so he's doing a great job so so in that respect he's doing a great job uh but i i don't know i like i said i i I feel he, he he's able to you know, convey this like persona of, of himself that makes him seem intelligent, and it, in some respects, he might be, and because he's you know been around a lot of people who know what they're doing, so obviously he will know the lingo and uh, you know the right things to say. Uh, and of course, when you pit him against someone like what is it, Jeremy Ma of uh, Alibaba, like of course he's going to look like a genius in front of him. But in general, the the guy is like a thirty or something forty year old who invests his time in producing subpar memes and weird lame stuff on Twitter and sleeping on factory floors. Oh yeah, sleeping on factory floors because his work ethic. I will, I will say this: his work ethic uh, reminds me of you know what some people might do at MIT to try to like do all their work, which is to say it's not good. 
Um, and it's not something that you'd be what you'd want to be proud of. It's done though. It does get the job done, but it uh, but it's it's a, it's a horrible work ethic. Um, I mean, it's like exactly what I'm doing right now with 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 you know when I'm working like right now. Like because the thing is, there are people who are who do work like that and who enjoy working like that or who like don't know any other way of working but it's a problem when you do that on when you try to put that on other people yes exactly that, that that's i i wanted to make that point clear elon musk's like work ethic and lifestyle is not something that everyone should strive for it's like a few people who are like crazy about working or whatever like those people like can go ahead and like work 80 hours a week but like everybody else like leave us alone <laughs> really be focusing on you know the chunky shrapnel that's right <laughs> that's the next topic so uh did any of you watch the film chunky shrapnel never heard of it i was gonna try to do it today but i did i didn't have time i was working uh on the piece of- no uh so the film so the film is no longer available to watch uh the album is out um but the film is not you said you watched it yeah well you, you, i guess you should uh uh briefly introduce it if you keep i don't keep saying they yeah so (laughs) them the power the powers that be (laughs) okay so uh king gizzard and the lizard wizard is a jam rock type band it's really hard to just they make guitar music they're from melbourne australia they've put out 15 albums um since they formed in 2010 um fun fact the theme music for this very podcast is a king gizzard song it is the song crumbling castle off the album polygon dwana land um which is the fourth album that they released in 2017 of five we get all the profits um we get all the royalties yeah (laughs) yeah of this free album um and so um this year they put out a live album um for the fourth time um i was gonna say the first time but they put out three live albums earlier in the year to like raise money for like the the wildfires in australia i'm laughing because that like sounds weird like they're raising money in support of the wildfires (laughs) but no it's it's, it's for (laughs) that's a weird stand that's a weird stance for them to take (laughs) (laughs) i'm running on a pro wildfire uh political ticket (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so um yeah they put out those three live albums um but like they also have have like um put out this new this live album chunky shrapnel which is a compilation live album of like various um concerts from their europe tour from last year back when concerts were a thing that happened and um with it they put out a film for uh for streaming for 24 hours and then they did it again a little bit later. Um, but like the the album Chunky Shrapnel is about an hour sixteen, and the film is like an hour and thirty minutes long. So it's like if you listen to the album, you're hearing most of the audio from the film. Um, the, the really the only difference is that like you get to see the concert footage, and there's like some like interim stuff that's like also pretty interesting that I might want to talk about. Um, but if you guys like have any like interjections about King Gizzard or anything like that, uh, I would like you to say that before I. I I went. I almost went and saw them live, but yeah, uh, <sighs> uh, me too. I chose. I chose to instead entertain uh, new students at my university. 
Yeah, I didn't have a choice. Like I like I had to be there. That I, I had to like be at MIT that well, day. Well, you didn't really have to. <laughs> yes, I did. It was like I was like actually the, like probably like of all the people that were like there, like I was probably like the most important person. So unfortunately, I couldn't make it. Ooh la la, big man on campus. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess to give some context for that, um, I, actually, I don't know if we should. Give some context for it. it's, it's, it's just I don't want to. I don't want to fucking explain this shit. I'm so tired of talking to strangers about East Campus. So uh, we'll just say that like there was a thing that happened, and like I was like I was like essential personnel, and Misky like also decided to be there to to help out. Um, and so neither of us could see King Gizzard in Central Park in New York City. And that was sad. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's not an understatement to say that the world died that day when you both couldn't see King Gizzard. It, it's, what split, <laughs> it's what split the timeline. The dark timeline that we're in right now, the one that's like shrouded in darkness because I can't afford to pay my electric bill, um, is, 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 is we're, we're living in that now because you're able to see King Gizzard. Corona wouldn't have happened if we saw the King Gizzard, you know, butterfly effect. What? Yeah. Is that what did you say? <laughs> I'm making a, a gross overgeneralization and false statement in lieu of making a humorous statement. No, 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 no. What was that? He wrote what? I said, I think that if we went and saw King Gizzard, that Corona wouldn't have happened, but that's just. Oh, Corona. Oh, my. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. What, what, do, what do you think I said? I know. I thought you were about to say Corona. Uh... You know what I'm gonna. You know, you're not gonna. No, put I this, don't. You're, you're not gonna put this on me. All right. <laughs> no, uh, Hector, you have to explain yourself. No, no, he doesn't because this is just like because because it's not gonna go in the show, so it doesn't matter. Oh, okay, okay. If it's not gonna go in the show, fine. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say Hiroshima. Okay, I think I, I think that might actually end up making it. In the show. <laughs> So you said that the, the the film was taken down. Was it on like, um, like was it just because it was prematurely taken down, or, or like sorry, it was prematurely put up, or the intention is to display the film in theaters at some point. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But right now there are no theaters. Right, so they just want to put it out there. Okay. Yeah, so they were like, they were like, our fans could have a little chunky shrapnel as a treat. <laughs> Um, and so, and so they, they put it out for like two 24 hour periods, just like on Vimeo and you could like rent quote unquote rent it for 10 bucks, which I did. And then, uh, watch it, which I also did. And, um, there isn't a lot like notable that to say about the film itself. Uh, there are a couple things which I'm going to touch on based on the notes that I wrote about the film while I was watching it. One of the things is that, like, you know, like, as a person who, like, has done lighting before, like, and also, like, who, who was in a, in a band with you guys, like, except, except Noah, uh, I, like, am very interested in seeing, like, concerts just, like, from, like, a sort of, like, observational standpoint of, like, seeing, like, the, seeing, like, what goes behind it, like, what decisions people are making and things like that. One thing that I noticed is that, like, in the film, there's, like, a lot of, like, green light in, like, lighting 101 or, like, remedial lighting or whatever it is that I, like, gathered from other people. Like, green light is, like, not used very often in stage productions. Hmm. Because, like, green face light is, like, very, like, unflattering on people. Like, like it kind of, like, makes them look sick, almost. Um, but, like, 
in the context of like this concert, like they were using like greens that like seemed to like work fairly well. Like like it had a little bit of blue mixed in, or like there was like some like other like red light going on, and like that was that was like interesting to see from like, a complete like nerd standpoint. Um, the other thing was like looking at the giant fucking soundboards, like 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 they had like occasional footage of like sound checks and things like that, like in between concert footage, and like they're they're just this like huge ass soundboard, like the the fucking like uh the the like uh, the the levers or whatever, the things that the, the the faders or whatever they're called, like they were like automated, so like they clicked a button and then like all the all the faders just like went into like another position like really quickly, and like that was super cool. Um, the last track on the album Chunky Shrapnel is called, like, A Brief History of Planet Earth. Do you see concert footage of, like, people, like, like dancing? Except they're, like, standing on top of, like, other people's hands. So there's, like, a second, like, level of audience that's, like, created by, like, human hands. And and people are just kind of, like, dancing, like, like on this, like, second floor made of hands. And then like and then like at a certain point like 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 I think it's like Stu that says like this is the craziest thing that I've I've ever seen at a concert and that shows up in the in the like album which I, I listened to the soundtrack album before I watched the film and like I was like confused as like what is this like craziest thing and then seeing that I was like okay well that's that's a little bit wild um, and then what ends up happening later on like it's weird because they like intercut different like concerts for this last track. Um, but like what ends up happening is like, there, there are two like opening bands that like toured with King Gizzard on, on the Europe tour. It was like Stonefield and Orb or something. I don't know if you've heard of either of those bands. What, what ends up happening basically is like, there are four members of Stonefield and there's three members of Orb and like, they're playing like, they're playing a head on pill, like the, like the opening track of float along. That's like 16 minutes long. And like, like some of the time, like they like start or end the concert with, with just like a long ass, like jam on, on, on this song. And like, basically what ends up happening is that like each member of King Gizzard ends up getting like switched out with like a member of like the, one of the two opening bands. And they just have like a little like family jam at the end. And like a bunch of people that are like people in King Gizzard are just like state, like, like what, what what's it called? Like crowd surfing. Yeah. J- just like seeing concert footage, just like as a person who like enjoys, um, like that, that kind of like te- the technical side of concerts was like, was cool. I don't know how interesting this was, but you know, whatever. Well, the green light thing that you mentioned was pretty interesting. Cause when I went to the death grips concert two and a half years ago, when they, kicked off their tour uh in Wooster. the theme of the tour was they had released a promotional video for the tour and it was the room that i, I guess they practice in it's like a very small room and they just hooked themselves up with a lot of tiny green lasers around their bodies uh like so on their fingers on their hands on their everywhere and uh so that's why was the concert it was, it was just green lights green green lasers everywhere so if so I'm, I'm so I'm guessing like you know when you pointed that out it, that's what it reminded me. Also, uh, the crowd surfing stuff I haven't tried yet. Um, I've always wanted to try it, but I was like was sad at the end. Um, however, I have gotten kicked in the face, um, <laughs> which is like crowd a, surfing if you think about it. It's the same thing. You know, so so I got kicked in the face at a daughter's concert in December. Holy shit! Um, and it wasn't by a person in the crowd. It was by one of the guitarists. <laughs> Uh, and i and i never washed i never washed the boot print (laughs) off my face because at the very end uh i was there with with with, uh someone i know and yeah at the very end on the last i believe it was the last song they they just like went wild and one of the guitarists just went in the crowd and like started getting crowd surfed 
and and uh, yeah his, his his boots just like kicked me in the face and i was just like i just got kicked in the face by the guitarist <laughs> who was standing on the stage like five seconds ago <laughs> wonderful uh yeah i i don't know I, I got a lot of cool concert stories too it's um but 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 but, but those two are, are one of the more memorable ones remember when you came into my room late one evening and direct drug me to the sinclair to a, a mosh pit was a lightning bolt yeah Oh yeah, yeah, I mean that was I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up next. I don't remember the circumstances, but yeah, I do remember dragging you there because we got there at the Sinclair and uh, we got we were able to get to the front and then they started playing and then or they had already begun playing I think a little bit into into the the set and everything kind of just like became blurry and everybody just started moving, swaying back and forth and then it started and then the mosh pit opened up and uh, it was. Really intense. Uh, like compared to the other only other mosh pits that I've been into that are like memorable were was a daughter's concert and the Death Grips one. Um, but the Death Grips one is like legendary in a sense because it was it was like a large, large place. It was in the Palladium. Um, but the Lightning Bolt one was like interesting because it was like more. It seemed a bit. It seemed a bit more intimate. Um, and I felt that I was getting knocked way more, like back and forth in the Sinclair with the lightning bolt concert. And it just also helps just with the, the nature of like the, their music. The, the funny thing about that concert was like, I wasn't expecting at all to like really get into the mosh pit, but I feel like oh, I, I had to like, I don't know, participate in that culture a bit. Cause you know, my friend Hector, had took me all the way across town to see this interesting band that he enjoyed. And so I jumped in the mosh pit, but because you would like drug me out of my room late at night when I was like otherwise like doing some other stuff, uh, I still had like slippers on and like <laughs> wait 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 well, what? <laughs> I had like slippers on and like comfy pants and like a nice like warm leather jacket. I, w- I wasn't like wearing any punk clothes. I like I kind of looked like I was ready to go to bed, but like <laughs> you, I was like being drugged into like this pile of people that were just like knocking the heck out of each other, you know just busting each other's noses and stuff and uh at one point i was like pushed up by the crowd and like i was like trying to get back on the ground because i didn't want to crowd surf because i don't want to like get a concussion and uh and and my slipper fell off and i like fell to the ground and i was like i i need my slipper i need my slipper (laughs) and this and there's just like a bunch of these like big burly dudes like crashing into each other and and like you know spilling beer on me and i was like i need my slipper and uh i got it i i was able to re- retrieve my shoe and uh i i promptly jumped back into the mosh pit because you know i think that's what it's all about <laughs> i yeah i or i i didn't notice you were wearing slippers and i was also i guess it was dark at that point because it was already nighttime so i didn't uh, i don't know i don't think anybody realized it also reminds me of the time you went to uh flat top johnny's um on the <laughs> night of the 2016 election yeah barefoot without any shoes oh my gosh <laughs> and the the people working there didn't notice until like we ordered food in the middle of us like after ordering food eating and playing a like a, a game or two on the pool tables and they just like told us to like leave because you, you don't have any shoes <laughs> <laughs> it's like all right if a reality t- tv star like can become president i can i can walk i don't think you can excuse that <laughs> I think you literally <laughs> just like said you forgot, which is weird because you were outside without your shoes. I think I, I think I was lying to them just because I was like I don't want to make a scene, 
Yeah. That scene was being made regardless of whether you wanted to, to make one they, or not. They were like, can you, uh, can you like put your shoes on? And I said, I don't have shoes. And they're like, <laughs> like, I just, when she said that, I just, I think every one of us who was there just like started cracking up just because like the, I like if, if, yeah, like, uh, if either you weren't there or you were a person there, but didn't know us, you know, it, it really would have felt extremely odd to have that statement, like, come back at you like no i don't have any shoes <laughs> i just don't own <laughs> shoes dude oh, I remember. like it really makes it seem like east campus is like some sort of like hippie commune or something oh my gosh i i i, I forgot to add that to my book that i'm writing about all these like dumb stories from college i i will definitely be adding that one Ugh. I want to acknowledge the elephant in the room, uh, which is, uh, hey, Noah, how are you doing? <laughs> did you, wait, why did you just call Noah an elephant? It's, I'm a closeted Republican. <laughs> I've been waiting to tell you. <laughs> wait, we already made this joke. If you'd been listening to the lore. Oh, that's true. That's true. I, I don't know. I mean, it's news to me. I don't know when, 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 when Noah became president. You were the one that made the wait, joke. Wait, was I the one that made the joke? I mean, I don't know. Yes. I, I the, the, the days, the, they just flow by. I don't remember anything. I you know, I don't know when Noah became the president of MIT College Republicans, um, or if that club even exists. <laughs> for all I know, for all I know, is just uh, it's it's a what do you call it? It's it's a it's a it's a group that does it, it's officially recognized by you know ASA, which is student group that recognizes student groups at MIT. Uh, for all I know, it could just be a, a group that's recognized by them but has no members whatsoever, and it's just like a, a place for people to to launder their money. Um, you know, because people who who are who go to MIT and 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 call themselves Republicans just aren't aren't afraid to call to 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 proudly uh, call themselves uh, idiots. Correct. Yeah, I I, uh, I send out emails about the meetings and I order a pizza and no one shows up and I I just eat it all by myself <laughs> in a room. All five of the pizzas. <laughs> all five Domino's pizzas. Extra large. That's actually pretty smart though, because you you can you can use that and say that you want to get uh, fun funding. Um, yeah. But but nobody goes to the meetings except you know you you and you can just like use that money to buy food for your club members of which you're the sole oh member. Oh my goodness! Um, it's pizza laundry. It's, it's pizza time. Oh my goodness! <laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to describe. You're gonna clean the pizza with with uh, with bleach and. Uh, I'm going to describe a Ponzi scheme that future MIT, MIT students should definitely not take advantage of, which is just get four of your other friends comp with some like you know potentially you know good sounding group name or whatever like draft some constant i don't know call yourselves like the <laughs> the machine MIT learning. college republic <laughs> no, no something something more realistic <laughs> uh, something like a machine learning reading group for MIT undergrads or whatever and like ask for like $400 a semester in like meeting food and if it's just five of you, like, just use it and pay for your food for the semester. Like, buy the rice and beans or whatever. And I guess quick disclaimer, it has to be, uh, he, Misky said four others besides you, because uh, the minimum is actually five people. I just said zero just because it's, it's for the sake of comedy. It, it's, it's stupidly easy to get money as well. Like, like there's an MIT anime club. Whoa, like, like, whoa, not to despair, whoa. Like, like, my point is not to disparage anime listeners, but just the fact that, like, they give money, like, like for people to watch anime and eat snacks. It's an art form. Somebody's got to pay for the Crunchyroll subscription. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Um, like I said, because of my weird sleep schedule, I guess not that weird anymore, given that other people are probably mimicking it too. Um, but because of of how much or little or whatever I sleep and the times I'm awake, the days are going by. In a, it's, the time is fluid now, so I don't know how long I've been cooped up in this house and in Massachusetts. But uh, one way that I do, or I'm able to keep track of time, or at least like how much time has elapsed since being a given the cold shoulder by my tea is by the number of uh, episodes that have come out in one of the like a new anime shows that I've been watching. So if I'm like, you know, oh, oh, a new episode's come out today. Oh, episode five. Oh, it's been five weeks uh, s- since I used to be living in uh, in a great dorm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not exactly joking when I say that. I mean, the way that I'm counting time is by the number of episodes that we've done of this show, right? Because this is episode seven. We did the, we recorded the first one, like, Basically, like, the week after we got kicked out. So, it's been seven weeks. Yep, that is true. Yeah. Does it feel like seven weeks? It's hard to say. I mean, it's... Big, it was a big day, election night. Yeah, election night was wild. I still, I, I'm pretty sure I still remember what, what stuff that went down that day, or in terms of like uh, what I did, because I remember before that I had my shift at um, at Tech Callers, which is an awful job that you definitely should take while you're oh, if you if you end up going to MIT or are at MIT right now. It is the worst, uh, you know, thing you could ever do at MIT besides, uh, I don't know, like. Sucking admin dick or something. Yeah, if, you, if you've ever wanted to experience what it's like to be a telemarketer, you know, you, you could take this uh, $14 an hour job where you can, like, ask alumni for money or whatever. Yeah, that was that was one thing I did not realize up until the point where I was already going to wanting to quit that, like, it was a telemarketer job because they just, like, kept advertising it, like, to us as, like, a way to talk to alums and, you know, you know like, get to know them and... Um, uh, like you know, find out about the, you know their experience with MIT. But yeah, it's just it's just being a telemarketer. Anyway, um, yeah, like I, I had my shift, but everybody like was busy not working, and then staring at a projected screen on one of the walls, and just like everybody was just like looking at the states turning red, and I was just like, haha, <laughs> oh wow, because Hector had voted for Donald Trump, so he was like, ah oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in in me not voting for Clinton was a vote for Trump. Even though I didn't vote for Trump, which is a vote for Clinton. Yeesh. Wait, did you vote for Hillary? I voted for Stein. Ah, oh, we already we know over this before. But but yeah yeah because I didn't vote for Clinton, it was a vote for Trump. So ergo, um, I am a Trump supporter. Whoopsie daisy. Whoops, whoopsie daisy. You know how how could I have foreseen this coming? Hector, I never took you as a Trump supporter, but I guess you know the, the facts don't lie. I, I never took him as an anti-vaxer, but I mean he voted for Stein. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was the thing I actually found out afterwards, which was actually was actually a pretty big oof on my part. Um, because if I had known that, or actually, you know what, I don't really care anymore. But um, you know, actually, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens uh, in the coming months because I know because um, I, I, there was like these break, there was like this interesting breaking news that came out the other day that there was um, uh, a congressman um, or senator that had you know sexually assaulted um, one of the staffers back in 1993. Um, and then in other news, Joe Biden is probably going to be the Democratic nominee. Yeah, no, we, I, we, I remember we talked about this on, like, 
We made a lot of jokes about uh, Joe Biden on the first two episodes of the show. And then, like, I titled the second episode, like, Joe Biden pinup calendar. I was like, oh, he's the sexiest Democrat. All this horrible shit. In in retrospect, that was a bad idea. Because on the third episode, you told me that, like, the, the whole stuff about Tara Reid. And I was like, oh, shit. Did you know about that at the time? Or, like, before me mentioning it? No, I didn't. Really? So, like, all I knew was, like, the stuff about, like, hugging people from behind and smelling their hair and shit. Right, right, Th- right. That was, that was where I originally, like, came up with the joke of, like, Joe Biden being the sexiest Democrat. So, I didn't know he was a racist. So, so I guess it is some stuff that has come to, to light recently. Be, so, so obviously in the past, it's, it's been what? Um, maybe it's about a month, right? I think since, since, since we had talked about it. Yeah, it's been four episodes. Yeah, so, and that's t- it's been of time. Um, it's, it's been interesting to see stuff on both sides, uh, like, you know, both parties. So on the Republican side, apparently they had a lot of oppo on, on, on Biden from the get-go. Uh, there was a video that surfaced of Tara Reid's mother talking on Larry King. I don't know if I necessarily should say it definitely is Tara Reid's mother, but it's like highly probable that it is because it is the caller was like, it's, it was the same time that the incident happened and it was also the same like county that um, her mother had resided in um, at the time. But it called into Larry King and talked about like, uh, an event that happened to her daughter and it was like, didn't explicitly say people's names, but you know, mentioned it. So this video surfaced, um, after, uh, this was mentioned in an interview that Ryan Grimm, who from the intercept, who, uh, had reported on this, uh, who I guess I should mention again, was the same guy that broke the Kavanaugh, um, uh, Blasey Ford, like thing two years ago. Uh, so uh, when he when he mentioned it on a podcast with Katie Halper, uh, like a day or two, I don't know how many days later, um, the video, someone found the video. And apparently uh, Republicans just like, or the, the people on the right just like already had it, I think. My guess is that they have all this stuff on Biden and we're waiting to use it in the run up to the general election. But because the, the, the story broke like now, they're just like running with it and are going to be doing this for the next half year. Uh, which is going to be fun, fun to watch. Um, and by fun, I mean, it's not going to be, it's not going to be fun to watch. Yeah. No. Um, and, and on the, on the other side, on the Democrat side, you have all these people. Um, I'm, I, uh, if I had time to like, I don't know if I was going to talk about it, but if I had time to prepare, I would like come up with like a phrase. It was just like, like obviously like turning a blind eye to it, I guess is like the easiest way for me to say it. Um, you have a lot of people who, uh, have, uh, either say that you know her story is inconsistent or their claims are not credible and because they like they point to like this article that a medium post that these guys called the Krasenstein brothers did which the Krasenstein guys are like already a dubious pair that were like were kicked off of twitter for um i think using bots like twitter bots to like up their their like articles i think that's not good these uh, uh things that people do are also like done a lot on uh our very own MIT, uh, like, Facebook pages. Uh, like, not the MIT page, but, uh, like, MIT confessions or, or whatever. You got these uh, either actual Biden supporters or just, like, vote blue no matter who people who always show up in the comments just, like, saying how the, you know, she should be heard, but, you know, the claims are pretty dubious and things like that. But always cite these, like, reasons where the reasons are just, uh, you know, the, the, some of the things that I mentioned right now. Of course, it's always it, the claims are always dubious when it's your side that's being accused. I mean, I, I see this like every day, and I, at this point, I think I want to see. It, it's like it's almost it's almost like I I, I want to get angry and, and upset, which is like why I always like go go there every day. 
but uh, but but anyway, um, so that's what it's been in the past month in terms of like some interest, uh, recent stuff. And the latest development besides the video was that uh, a neighbor of of Tara Reed's had come forward and was was interviewed and like said and that Tara Reed had told her about the incident like back then. So this is like the latest development that had happened, and people are, uh, some people are are now now like. Oh, this this changes things. Which uh, I don't know. It's it's weird for me to feel about it because I'm guess I'm glad people are finally realizing that this is shitty and that this isn't gonna go isn't this isn't gonna go away in six months. But also on the other hand, these people are just dumb idiots who, uh, like like Hadrian said, like like Hadrian said, um, if it happens on the other side, then you know that's that's uh, you know shame on them. But if it happens on us, like it didn't happen. It's it's upsetting. It's it's there's nothing else to say except it's just like really it's really upsetting. I don't it's not that's how politics works. There's a political aspect with Biden, yes, but at that point it's just like awful human behavior and I don't really think like that like politics at that point it, it it's not it's not politics at that point. It's just, it's just downright just disgusting. Not only that, but like yeah, it is politics or whatever and like oh people playing the game, but it's like yeah. there is like like I, I talked about this on episode 3. I think you actually weren't there for that part of the call because you'd like dropped out or something. But um, there is this notion that like you know the Democrats are these like reasonable people of like oh like have you no shame, sir? Like civility, like like playing by the rules. Like <laughs> the, that yeah, the whole of, West Wing, Aaron Sorkin, you know, type of person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes, exactly. Like that that kind of thing of just of of, of like the Democrats are like s- supposed to be presented as these reasonable people. And like the thing that I've really been seeing over the past like several months is like the just erosion of that idea of the fact that like whatever it is that like people thought that the democrats like represented like the sort of like values of like progressivism or whatever like all of that is being eroded away because like there's this kind of like cognitive dissonance of like we need to get rid of donald trump but we don't want to like have a socialist in power which is like kind of the that that was kind of the whole thing about them like completely fucking over bernie sanders is, is like is like is like yeah we want to get rid of trump like by any means necessary except for that one <laughs> Uh, we don't. We definitely don't want to be like making like any sort of like agreements with like the the left. Like, like it's like we want to return to normalcy, bipartisanship, shaking hands across the aisle, and it's like that, that that kind of like when they talk about compromise, they're always talking about compromising with the right and never like sort of like trying to like go for stuff stuff to the left. They're always like, oh, that's too unreasonable. It's pie in the sky. Like we need to focus on like bipartisan solutions or whatever. Like I don't know. It, 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 this whole tapestry of bullshit or whatever. It, it, it's just like. With the fact that, like, Joe Biden is, like, an old white man who has been accused of sexual assaults, like, that just goes against, like, all of this sort of, like, you know, like, identity politics and, like, Me Too and, like, all the sort of thing that people have been espousing for the last several years. And it's just, like, it's frustrating. It's just, like, fuck these guys. Are we surprised? I mean, I don't know. Uh, It's, I definitely was surprised uh, Super Tuesday. Um, when like the on the day the, the two days leading up to it and the massive uh co- like the coalition that like came uh, around around Biden I was actually genuinely surprised that that happened and that they were able to accomplish it in the span of of two days but then again uh like Obama like reportedly did have a hand in it so yeah the, I I I would say that I'm surprised at that on that level. Yeah, like, like, and for me, it was like, I really did think that, like, like, e- even, even if that was, like, kind of, like, you know, um, 
an illusion or whatever that they that like I didn't think that they would like ha- go as far as they have gone in just sort of like completely dismantling like all of the all of that stuff and just like basically disposing of it by by putting Joe Biden at the at the forefront of like the Democratic primary because I really did like like, like going into this like I was like very like you know, sort of, like, optimistic that, like, Bernie Sanders would actually manage to, like, pull the election. But, like, instead they were just like, nope, we're putting in this, like, this this guy. And, like, I remember I made a joke, like, early on um, when, when people were talking about Joe Biden entering the race. And I was like, you know, you, you know, it's like they say, the only way to stop a bad, creepy old white guy who sucks is a good, creepy old white guy who sucks. Fight fire with fire. Stop a creepy old white guy is another creepy old white guy. Is that how you want to go down in history? Yeah. Yeah.